Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Despite their best efforts Saturday, the Big Ten refs could not stop the Husker train from rolling on to another victory. Well done, boys. Absolutely. I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? Yes, just basking in the glow of a touchdownless victory. You don't get to say that very often, and you sure don't think you'd say it with Scott Frost, but we want ourselves a Big Ten-type game there, boys. I've been told you we haven't said that since 1937, so that is impressive. I'm also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to say to any listeners concerned about the uh, Iowa game and bringing the Heroes Trophy back this week, uh, I think it's safe to assume with their latest win, bowl eligibility in place, uh, Ferentz has all of his bonuses accounted for, nothing left to play for, so he's probably checked out for the season. Yeah, he's answered the <laughs> uh, the fan angst about Noah Fant. He got three catches and a touchdown for 54 yards last week, so hey, he still likes Noah Fant. It's, uh, uh, yeah, the Iowa conundrum is over, so... Well, let's not not worry about Iowa quite yet, guys. Let's uh, take a look back on a frigid Saturday uh, in Lincoln where the Huskers took down the Spartans in a touchdown-less game, a 9-6 victory uh, on the foot of Barrett Pickering, Um, someone that I don't know if we all had a lot of faith in early in the year, but now he's uh, redeemed himself fully, if you if you will. Honky, uh, what were your uh, first takes uh, uh, at the game? It was good to see Nebraska win a different style of game. The uh, you know the concept that we have to go out and blow every team out, that's the only way, way that we can win a game. To be able to go out and play in, in the conditions that we played in, so we played in Big Ten conditions against a Big Ten tough team. We had to have good special teams. We had to get turnovers. Uh, we had to overcome some horrendous uh, ref calls at times. And, you know, I guess that gives me a lot of positive feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to make sure I get this straight. If I understand, Honky and Mac, you watched the game together. Is that right? That's correct. That is correct. And in the second half, when it started snowing and got really cold, were you in a, a hot tub? Is that right? The entire second half, yes. That is correct. Uh, uh, Boomer, where were you at at this time? I, I was at Memorial Stadium uh, for the entire uh, first and second half, Dave. I'll have you know there was no hot tub available for us there. It, it was cold, Dave. It was, it was snowing. Cold. It was snowing yeah. on us. We had the TV. I just got the TV installed on the back of the house. So outdoor games like this, and it was snow was coming down. It was freezing, but in, inside the, the hot tub, it was warm. It was fantastic. We had uh, snow for the ice for our beverages. It <laughs> saved a lot of time. It was great. That's good. All right, well, Boomer, you were at the game. How cold was it there? Uh, it was frosty, Dave. Uh, the only thing that kept us going, you know, kept us alive, was I think the burning hatred in our heart for the referees in that game. So that <laughs> that was that was very important for the fans. Uh, you know, the first half I really didn't think was quite that bad. The wind was there, and it didn't feel as bad in the fans, but I think it played a bigger effect on the field this week than it did the prior week against Illinois. It was a north wind, and... It was pretty strong. The second half when the snow started coming down, it did feel like it got quite a bit colder. And I think you have to say the weather played an impact in this game. I don't see any way you could say it didn't. Certainly played a way bigger role than it did uh, did against Illinois. Sure. You know, I think when leading up to the game, 
the narrative was this is good versus good, right? It's the Nebraska offense versus this Michigan State defense, and who was going to win out? You know, the you know best unit on each team. In reality, Mac, it almost felt like it was kind of bad versus bad, and that might be an overstatement, but it was the Nebraska defense, which had given up a lot of yards and a lot of points this year um, against the Michigan State offense. And at the end of the day, the Nebraska defense won that battle. With some help from the special teams. Yeah, I mean, they they did what we asked them to do. I thought the, the tackling was good. You had a, a senior like Reed come in and have a monster day, you know, contributing with a, a strip sack and a pick and filling in on the run defense quite well. I mean, those guys, all across the board, we were physical the whole game. We never let it get to, you know, considering what they were, you would think this team would have ran more. It's such a weird game statistically. Even Michigan State throwing as many times as they did. But either way, they stood the test. We weren't pushed around. Um, it, was, it was not how I would, I mean, kind of how I predicted the game to go, but not exactly. And then the weather itself, just like, yes, it was good versus good or bad versus bad, but then it really hyper-focused. What we really didn't want to do is, not be able to pass at all and <laughs> like go right into the teeth of Michigan State's defense. And then with the win being what it was, you know, having to, having to be able to find a way to win that game while still turning it over, while, while overcoming that kind of adversity, that's a great win. Great win. Honky, you're a big run-the-damn-ball guy, and you, you like the uh, run-pass ratios. What did you think of the, the amount of passing going on there? Well, I think I tweeted out something at one point in the second quarter – we were 9 of 19 throwing the ball, and we would have been on pace at that point for about 50 passes overall. Um, if I would, we end up with 33 or 37, something like 37, that. 37, I think, sounds 37. right. Yeah. 37. So obviously, we, we cooled it back a little bit. Um, Martinez, the big thing I, I'd like to see more of is Martinez's legs being used. And I think at that point, when I tweeted that out, I think, I think he had maybe only had seven carries or something like that, but he was averaging like seven, eight yards a carry. It was a very good yard per carry, and we just weren't seeing a lot of it. One of the things kind of with this offense, and we're kind of figuring this out, is some of those throws, those quick throws to the out, those, you know, that they, the side passes, I don't know, flare, I don't know what they call them exactly, but those flare passes, they almost treat them like a run. So I guess to that extent, if, if we threw 10 of those in that game, I think you could almost add, 10 to our running total and take 10 away from the passing total because they basically frost treats that like a run. That's almost like an option to them. Yeah, that's right. Michigan state actually covered those relatively well. And, you know, we did finally get some, a few vertical passes down field in the seams and that, that resulted in big plays that resulted in in better field position and ultimately got us in field goal position. Boomer, you have to be ecstatic with the special teams, uh, performance, at least from Barrett Pickering, right? Oh, yeah, especially given those conditions. And you mentioned earlier, I don't think any of us had a whole lot of faith in the kicking game. And honestly, I don't even know if the coaching staff had a lot of faith in the kicking game early on. I mean, how many times did we go for it on fourth down? Sure. In those adverse conditions where you'd think, well, you might want to give it a shot at a field goal. And I think, you know, their hand kind of got called later in the game when it was, you know, looks like it was going to come down to a game of field goals. You're going to have to try it. And Pickering really stepped up. I mean, he made kicks. I don't think anyone in the stadium or at home expected him to be able to make. So, including himself, probably happened to be. Yeah. Well, if you go back to that the first quarter, like you're talking about, Boomer, and you're right, they clearly went for it on a couple fourth downs where they were in maybe questionable field goal position. But you could tell, and I guess you being there at the game too, Boomer, you probably could tell this: the wind 
played such a big factor. Yeah. And D'Antonio showed showed that at the end of the third quarter by calling that one timeout. He was trying to you know get one more play in with the wind behind their back. It, it meant that much to them that it was worth calling a timeout to get one more play, one more throw, and then if they didn't get the first down, he wanted to punt with the wind behind him. So, I mean, that that was how big of a role that wind played. So it's not surprising to me that all three of our kicks were with the wind yeah. you know, at our back, and when we didn't have the wind behind our back, I mean, we'd go for it. Well, you could tell in the passing game, guys were running open. I mean, Adrian Martinez was just not able to connect with them. But guys were running free. This would have been a completely different score had the weather been better, and it would not have favored Michigan State's offense anymore. I mean, that would have been a big win for us. So, you know, whatever, we still won the game. Grounded right. out and found a way. That, just, that, to me, is the biggest story of the game. You give me that score, you don't tell me who I think is going to, you know, I'll pick the winner. 9-6, to six, I'm saying Michigan State. You know, that's, that's not a score I think we can win with. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really good point, Mac. Uh, let's uh, head into our offensive breakdown. Scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. And talk a little bit about maybe the the most explosive plays or, or best performers out there uh, on the Husker offense. Uh, Divino Zigbo, uh, hard running, got 74 yards, I think, uh, and surpassed the 1,000-yard barrier. Uh, Mac, you know, he had a couple of uh, big runs and a couple of key ones at the end there that got the first down that kind of let us run out the clock. Notoriously, this team in, in a few years have not been able to get that last first down. We were able to do it this time with Divine. Yeah, how awesome was that to watch? I mean, they took all the drama out of that immediately. I mean, there were two good runs right away. And, and a great to see it happen to a guy that you feel like has been putting it down all year, but then you get in these clutch situations. Is like, is this real offense or is this fake offense? And they got him. You know, it took a long time. You could tell this was going to be a four quarter game. Michigan State's not a joke on defense. You know, Adrian's jukes that worked on a lot of teams were not working against Michigan State. They're not. They're hard to make miss. That being said, you just kind of take kept, kept taking your swings at him. You know the. The quarters we didn't have the win, Frost kind of said, we were just sort of biding our time. So, man, I can't say enough about how happy I was how that ended. (laughs) Honky, you want to maybe add a little bit with uh, Stanley Morgan? He, I believe, uh, broke the all-time reception uh, record. Is that correct? Yep. Kid's just solid across the board. The blocking that he has out there on the the outside, I mean, that made – that makes those flare passes and those outside runs go for so much further. But he, he had the one big catch uh, across the or down the seam in the fourth quarter that set up, I think, one of the field goals. Uh, he got just murdered on that one touchdown, yeah. what should have been a touchdown pass that was a you know should have been a pass interference that they don't call. Um, but he was so solid there and. And that's the thing. I mean, the, just the leadership that he brings and the swagger. Um, I really hope he gets to a thousand. Yeah. Uh, he was so close a year ago, eighteen yards or something, twelve yards short, something like that. So I I hate to have the same thing happen this year. And hopefully the conditions are good in Iowa, good enough to he needs to get about seventy yards and and he should hit the thousand and be the first ever Husker receiver to do that. That that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Uh, we were missing J D. Spillman though, uh, Boomer. I know you were following the uh, the the uh, news on that before the game, and, and thought he might be uh, missing in action, and uh, you know, foot injury kept him out. Hopefully, he's back for Iowa, right? Well, let's hope so. Yeah, uh, you know, 
helps that we ultimately didn't need him in this game. We were able to win without him. You know, it is a good uh, security outlet for uh, Martinez. You know, when you have a guy like him out there who's always seems to be open and seems to be able to catch balls where Michigan State drops everything. You know, it's nice to have that outlet. So that probably affected the you know our play selection, our passing game, and our offense in general too. So let's just hope he's healed up and ready for Friday. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a big difference there. You're right. I mean, you know, Stanley's caught a little bit more attention over the last couple of weeks, but um, especially early in the year, JD was definitely Adrian's number one target. So um, not having him out there is definitely a, a change in the offense. Mac, anybody else on offense uh, worth pointing out? Uh, Maurice Washington is going to have some amazing memes going forward. That vertical jump yes. over that guy. It was almost like he didn't realize how high he could jump. He's like, oh, I cleared him by a mile when I could have, you know, just a little less would have done. <laughs> if he would have done one of, you know, Divino Zigbo's patented Dukes of Hazard hood slides, he probably yeah. would have scored. But, man, that was just unbelievable. And when they show it in slow motion and you see how high he gets, this this guy is an elite athlete. I mean, he he's going to he's gonna blow some minds next year. Yeah, good point. All right, guys, um, let's move on to the defensive breakdown. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. Well, guys, there's a lot to talk about on the defensive side here. Maybe the best, well, maybe, likely, I mean, maybe that's an obvious statement that this was the best defensive performance that this team put together all year long. Obviously not the best offense we faced, but, boy, from uh, opening gun to the the final whistle, they – Played uh, some some good ball against the Spartan offense, and uh, a lot of a lot of key players, including some seniors like uh, Antonio Reed, who had really the game of his his life. Honky, what do you think about uh, Antonio's performance? It was exactly like you just said, game of his life. I mean, that guy was everywhere. He got the interception, huge hit, that sack, and and we're just seeing it again and again now. These last four, five, six games, this is not a joke. These guys are serious about getting turnovers. And I was rewatching the game this morning, and there's just random plays where, you know, it's a one-on-one tackle. And even we always have a, an arm trying to, to knock that ball out. It, that's just part of the routine now. Um, there was a big catch that they had. It was one of their – it was the one play they threw it to the, the running back in, in the fourth quarter, and he was oh, wide yeah, open. I remember that. Yeah, it was Gifford who came up and almost knocked it out. Yeah. Well, and, and watch the play. It's like the one, ta- the one guy that was tackling him was uh, Boodle on it. And Boodle gets up on him and just – is part of the tackle. He just tries to rip at it. Every single opportunity they ever get, you're seeing arms trying to rip the ball away. And that looked pretty familiar in that game because Michigan State does the exact same thing. And I guess yeah. I like the idea that our defense is starting to look and, and remind us maybe of a defense like Michigan State because I think that's a good sign. Yeah, Mac, yeah, I thought it was interesting in the sense that we had had the uh, fumble-itis there in that first half and we're dropping the ball everywhere because of Michigan State going after it. We seem to able to hold on tighter in the second half, and then that actually reversed because they fumbled in the second half. It was kind of interesting how that flip-flopped. Oh, yeah, you could absolutely tell. that Michigan State's defense is well-coached. They were they were trying to go after the ball on every tackle, and they were doing a good job. And, and you know, our guys kind of got better or, or more ball-aware as the, as the game went on because we, we tucked it away. But the one where Martinez got, you know, stripped, he had that ball in kind of a compromised way running down there. So... Uh, that's what good defenses do, you know, and then we, you know, anyway, 
We settled well, down. Our defense. That's what we did in the second half, though, right? Yeah, so exactly. we were a good defense. And, and and we were getting balls. We were playing so much smarter. You know, like Reed's big hits. They were big hits, but he was standing upright, so he wasn't leading with his helmet, so we yeah. don't get a flag. We were leading with shoulder pads. You know, guys were pulling up on the quarter right if they're if they're getting close instead of crushing him and getting those penalties that were killing or extending drives. The the only times that really happened is when the refs decided that they wanted the game to go longer or something. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> Lamar Jackson's playing better. We're getting our heads turned around a little bit quicker on those deep balls. We're just yeah. playing smarter. You know, Reed's a perfect example of that. He he that hit that was his best game. He filled in on everything. It wasn't it wasn't a stretch on any of his plays. They weren't they weren't like him making a an exceptional play. It was him making the play that he was intended to make and with violence. You know, yeah. something. I feel like their their run fits and everything were much better this game. They were in the spots they were supposed to be at. Honk. Yeah, I what I like about the game was that we kind of have this myth of the defense. I've heard more and more. Uh, Radio guys and TV guys have been saying this to different Husker journalists. They've been saying that, you know, you just have to kind of alter your your defensive expectations today. I don't buy that. There's there's no myth to me that – or it's a myth that we look at this and say we can't have a great defense and, and run the style of offense that we run. It, our offense hasn't been setting our defense up poorly this year. When we've been at our worst on defense, it's just because we haven't got off the field. We, we've extended drives, and that's that's on our defense to, to get off the field and, and make stops. This week, they made stops. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, if I if I wanted to get real nitpicky, I mean, probably the worst part, I, the most frustrating part I got on our defense this whole game would have been at the end of the first half when they were uh, – when I wanted us to get the ball back, and they got one or two extra first downs, and it was Lombardi running the ball. And I was just mad because I was like, know the situation. It was third and seven, and – there, you know, D'Antonio either wants to run the clock out to 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 zero, or he's going to run the ball. So they spread us out and they ran it, and we, it was like we, I mean, we basically had one linebacker in the middle of the field. Yeah. We we were outnumbered, and they run for six, seven yards, extended drives. Those yeah, those things are killers in games, and we have to keep getting better at things like that. I mean, understanding situations and just getting off the field. A Journal Star wrote an article today, and it talked about Frost. Um, understanding, you know, the, the the importance of starting field position, and we have harped on that so much all year. Well, all those little things—the third down defense and getting off the field, special teams, turnovers, penalties—all of those things play a factor into that starting field position. And so, I'm getting nitpicky there. But the good news is, what progress have we seen throughout the year? I mean, that that game we had good field position overall because we were making stops, we were getting penalty, you know, we were getting turnovers. Um, you know, so that's it's huge progress from where Could we have were at. Been a bigger field position bump if they would have flagged that one that Stanley Morgan got knocked out of bounds on by yeah. a yard and a half. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. That was a nice punt yeah. return. Yep. Yeah, Boomer, anything else on special teams you want to follow up on? I mean, Barrett Pickering is obviously the star of the show yeah, here, Pickering, but anything else? He did well. Uh, Armstrong, I think, recovered nicely from his first punt, which was, what, like 20-some yards, and I thought that was going to be a bad omen for the day. But he responded later in the day with some really good, you know, 50-yard boons and got some good uh, bounces on those. We never let anyone break anything on us. So, all in all, I couldn't complain a whole lot about special teams. Granted, the you know kickoff team didn't get to see a lot of work, but uh, you know that's all right. So, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, but no, it, sure. it it went pretty well, so I can't argue with that. And by God, when three field goals can win you a game, that's good work, and everybody involved, especially in cold conditions, from the center to the holder to the kicker, it's real yeah, easy for that really timing is. to get messed up, or a guy to lose a footing there and slip, or 
you know, it wasn't an easy thing. So it's more power to him and why he deserved named cocktail this week. So Hey, by yeah, the way, I mean, didn't, did anyone notice the last play of the game? I guess this is offense, but the last play of the game, you know, the kneel down, that snap was way up. Yeah, yeah. it like, was way high. Like, holy smokes, Martinez had to under catch center. Is that, is that not in our playbook? Just get under center, hike the ball, and take a knee? Is, do we I have to know. add that extra element of excitement to – the victory formation. <laughs> Plus, then, it makes you lose like two extra yards of rushing. <laughs> right, that too. Yeah, it does. I mean, I, t- I mean, technically speaking, you can fumble that snap too if you're under center. So, I mean, like it is what it is. But it it is odd that you can't even take that under center. But, um, yeah, I hear you know a Pickering's kick, the 47 yarder. I mean, you guys when it went up, did you think it was good? Oh, the it was last kind of a kick. knuckleball. It, the last yeah, it had kick. A lot it was a bit of, of a knuckle. Yeah, it had and a I'm lot like, of action. But it had plenty of distance. It just was cutting through that wind, you know? Yeah, it was dead smack center, but but it took about two or three lefts and right turns to get there. Yeah, hey, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It sure was pretty when it went through the uprights. And, and Boomer in the stadium, I mean, it had to be crazy and fun. Oh, it and was, I mean, yeah. yeah. Fandom went nuts there. It was a nicely packed stadium. I noticed nobody really left early this week, so that was good. And, uh, yeah, it was – it was a fun time there for, you know, a team with just a handful of wins and a very cold day. So it's what uh, Husker yeah, fandom's all about. That, yeah, about that a little bit, Boomer. It seemed like, you know, even uh, Rocky Lombardi, Michigan State quarterback, commented that it was one of the loudest crowds he's ever ever heard. And it seemed like uh, it was a, a pretty um, uh, intense atmosphere despite an early start and really cold conditions. Yeah, right? yeah, it was good. I, I think the fans have uh, done good prep work this year, uh, getting up early, getting ready for these kind of games. So <laughs> I think that's helped along with the team. But, no, everyone really seemed into the game. I mean, even when you'd think you could be down, when we put up basically no points for three quarters, it'd be really easy for you know fans to turn on a team, but they never did. And it was – they were loud. They were angry. I, the refs helped with that end, end of it, I think, too, giving us something to, to focus on early on, focus that hatred and uh, – get everyone going and no it's just fun to be a part of that actually too excellent all right anything else on defense guys well i want to add one thing to what boomer's talking about with the with the uh the, the crowd and this goes out to you guys redcasters husker nation i'm going to play a little snippet it's about 30 seconds but this is from cash daniel from the university of kentucky they just had their senior day and uh, you know, this is a senior class at Kentucky that has flipped the culture there. They've made it; they've been bowl eligible three straight years. Listen to him and how he talks about uh, the frustration of their fans not showing up. Because honestly, dude, I'm really disappointed. That stadium should have been filled out to the max. Um, you got a ranked team. First eight wins in a regular season since the '80s. You got to see Josh Allen break a sack record here. And look at this, Nebraska, who's a football powerhouse, wins national championships, still sold out 80,000-plus when they went 0-5. We're bowled for the past three years in a row. And on senior day, this is the class that turned Kentucky football around. So he keeps going on a little bit from there, but the point is it it's not lost on current players. It's not lost on SEC players. Nebraska, Husker Nation, what we're doing, showing up every week, it matters, and it matters to a guy like Miles Farmer who was there. And I, I, we might talk about recruiting a little bit later, but, yeah, one of the kids that showed up, he, and from Georgia. So let's break some myths here. Let's, let's break a few myths. Can't play defense when you, when, you, when you run this style of offense. Okay, well, you can play defense. Uh, you can't recruit Southern kids up here. We can get them. 
Uh, they definitely aren't going to commit if they have to play, you know, be in these terrible conditions and see snow and wind for the first time, you know, treat people right, you know, have an amazing fan base, have the resources, all the things that are great about Husker football, like that watching that game yesterday, it felt like old. It felt, I had the feeling inside of me, like I was watching football 20 years ago. Like I cared that much. Another myth that this offense works in any weather condition. (laughs) (laughs) That passing game certainly didn't work. (laughs) Well, you know what, Mac? Actually, let's ride with that for one second. You know what? If our our offense didn't work in that that those weather conditions yesterday, so didn't the Michigan State offense, right? I mean, the Michigan State offense should have produced a win for them. Yeah, but I'm not sure their offense works in any weather conditions. Yeah, that that might be true. That might be true about them. I I certainly am glad we weren't playing a better offensive team (laughs) that game. Yeah, but – but point taken though is that I mean, look, you got to be able to be good on both sides of the ball. The hockey's, you know, you know, main point there. And whether this offense is as effective or not in cold weather conditions, it was effective enough to still beat a, a Michigan State team that was ranked as of a week ago, right? Uh, so it's it's interesting. That's yeah, a Michigan State team that that went up to Happy Valley and beat beat Penn State there. Uh, you know, so this is this is a good team that we played. Now their record doesn't look as great anymore. And we contributed to that, but, um, but yeah, that's. I'll tell you what. I yesterday's game was necessary. We needed a game like that. I think to really, when you go into this off season, you talk about the hype and everything. We can talk about how we could play different style of games and win different ways. Well, and I think we'll get as we develop linemen, as we as we develop our mm-hmm. our culture, blah blah blah. As we get that going down the road, I think we'll be able to win running the ball more effectively, more physically going forward. So in situations yeah, like sure. this, it won't be like we won't be stifled as we were this well, game. And, and let's let's check off some different things that we've been able to, to do over the, the course of this season. We've now been able to hold a team to less than 10 points and, and, and win a game with defense and special teams. We've been able to throw the ball on teams. We've been able to run the ball on teams. We've been able to do multiple things. One Another thing that we need to check off that we haven't done, we need to win away from home, and we have a chance to do that on Friday. That's a big thing to check off is how can we do in a place that's not so friendly. We just went 4-3 and three now at home this year. We, we, finished, Yay. we finished above 500, which I'm telling you, when we, when we were sitting at 0-6, that didn't look – saying that we're 4-3 and three right now at home sounds pretty damn good. Considering where we were at about a month ago. Yes, and Frost after. is undefeated on senior day. New streak. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, it's two in a row, and this one was uh, thanks to the defense and special teams. All right, guys, great stuff. All right, let's head over to our social media director, Matthew P. Honky. What do you got for us, Honk? All right, we've been busy on uh, social media this weekend. I uh, had a poll out today, uh, and already about 900 votes it's been pretty well responded uh we say that we realize in you is four and seven but do you think the huskers are playing at the level of a top 25 team now and discuss amongst yourselves uh so far 69 percent have said yes they think that we are playing at the level of a top 25 team uh 31 percent saying no so uh dave i'll hand that over to you what what are your kind of re- what do you think of when you when you're hearing sure. that well, I think this year in particular, we are playing at a top 25 level right now because there's teams that are like 6-4 and four or something like that in the top 25, right? I mean, we're a couple of games off of that. So, 
in this year in particular, I think you could claim now we're playing at a top 25 level because it's so muddied after the first couple of teams. So, yeah, I mean, every team out there has got got faults, flaws. They definitely have uh, issues on, on one side of the ball or both. So I, I think we're somewhere in the neck of the woods of a top 25 team and a few other bounces. We probably wouldn't be too far from, from actually being there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've actually had some pretty reasonable responses, I think. Kelly says no because yesterday was the first game we took care of business in the fourth quarter, so we need a few more games like that before she can say yes. Winchester, that's a cool name. Uh, He says offensively, yes. Defensively, not quite. Uh, And then in Frost, I trust, uh, said if Nebraska beats Iowa on Friday, I'll definitely say yes. So that's kind of interesting. You know, that that game's a big game, and it's an important one, obviously. Uh, and that kind of leads us into the mailbag because the first question that we have is from uh, – need him to fix that for a second. And the first question we have is from coworker Eric, and he's saying, uh, in your opinion, would it be more beneficial for the coaching staff to, A, get offered a bowl bid and the additional practices and benefits that come with that, or, B, not go to a bowl and get the extra recruiting time and focus on that solely uh, before the early signing period. Uh, I'll hand that over to Mac to start with. That's actually a pretty good question because I've thought about that myself. I'm like, would it be just better for them to get on the road? And, you know, because the lack of the bye week this year, that's kind of pinched our recruiting efforts a little bit and our super early kickoff times, which made it hard to get a nice official visit time. So part of me thinks getting on that recruiting trail is, is important, but at the same time, you know, we got to commit today. We're at twenty-one. We're at twenty-one commits, and to get this team some more time to gel together, to let some of the young guys play. Think about how many developmental practices you could have with some of your freshmen. I don't know. I just lean more towards that than the recruiting. You know, I think we could build with these guys for next year with this with that bowl prep. It'd be nice. Mm-hmm. And like to see the guys play one more time. Honestly, it's going to be crazy. You know, the day after Thanksgiving, football's over. Yeah, bowl game. Yeah, all day. Yeah, it, that's it's a really interesting question, Eric. And I actually, you know, normally I'm just asking each of you guys one question, but I, I want to ha- hand this one over to each of you get everyone's thoughts because I think it is intriguing. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's obvious to me that you'd rather play in the bowl game. I mean, it's a whole extra spring practice essentially. And I mean, in the you have two options here, and one option you only get to do one thing, recruit, and the other option you still get to be able to practice and play in the bowl game and you still get a recruit uh sure it's a little bit tougher but look what what frost and his crew did last year when they were essentially recruiting for nebraska and still prepping for a bowl game at ucf it could have been any harder than that yeah so uh, we would have been would have been fine going to a bowl game we still recruit well and definitely play the bowl game yeah and this this would be a breeze compared to what they went through last year boomer um I think we were talking about this earlier today. Are we officially mathematically out of any bowl games? Yeah, I believe so. I think there's. I think we're at the point where there's maybe more six-win teams than there are bowls. Surprisingly, I don't know how that's possible. Hopefully, they can quit and get another twelve bowls put in in the next few weeks to to take care of that. But you know, which they probably will do. But yeah, I think I mean, we are rum punch bowl back. Yeah, let's bring that back. Or the Havana Bowl down in Cuba. Now that that's opened up, we can bring <laughs> that back as well. So. Yeah, I think we are officially eliminated. Yeah. All right. Well, Boomer, do you have any thoughts on the on the question? Uh, yeah, I think the you can't 
sell short what that extra bowl practice does. I mean, going to bowls and having late, you know, bowl games or playoffs doesn't seem to hurt Alabama's recruiting abilities any. So I can't imagine it would hurt this bunch. And then with the, you know, with the rules being what they are, we could play a lot of freshmen or, you know, red shirts in this bowl game that we may not have had a chance to play yet, which would have been something, you know, we helpful i think for the team boat going into next year and plus just any chance you have to keep frost and this team and offense in the media in the public eye get people talking about it that helps recruiting and just the general momentum of this team so it's a shame i don't think we're able to, to get to that bowl but uh well we'll do fine without it let's hope mm-hmm. all right and our other mailbag questions comes from jeff from the oc and he said how uh my my friend greg makes a good point that you can't bemoan some of the in-state recruiting misses of the last decade while at the same time complaining about the lack of development of the recruits we get. His theory is that if Drew Odd or Harrison Phillips, no offense, if they would have ended up at NU, they would have had a good chance of going through the kind of cycle without much impact in the manner that we have seen with many of the other in-state recruits that have come here. So basically, the Noah Fant that we look at right now, who's an All-American, well, at least when Friends plays him, uh, the All-American guy wouldn't have been one here anyways. Do you buy that, Boomer? Uh, hard to say. You know, it just such an odd scenario with our last coaching staff and things like that. Would he be here anyway? Well... Yeah, difficult to say. I think there's just so many variables that go into that. You know? but, but even if they would come here, would they have... Would they have ended up becoming, you know, the with the, the lack of development, would they have even been a great player to begin with? Would Drew Ott it the lack of attention that, that Pelini gave Ott to not even walk on here, how much development would we have done with him to where would he have been an all American anyways? Well, yeah, I, pounds would anything in this last mass. coaching staff scream development of any of these players? I, I don't think they would be what what they would have been or what they are, I think, you know, maybe this last year under frost, they might've, you know, had something come out of it. But from what we saw from these coaching staffs that we had, I don't think they would have developed into quite what they, what they have been at other staffs, which is probably why they didn't end up here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, sometimes it's, it's a little bit dumb luck. It's like dog training, right, Jeff, right. You know, you can pick out the best dog possible and, and you have all the right pedigrees and whatnot. And, and the dog either like you know works well in your environment or not, right? And uh, I think you know I, I, I Harrison Phillips probably would have been a great player here too. I, I I don't know. It's hard to say. I see where you're going there, but I I can't imagine Noah Fant's just athleticism wouldn't have also produced in Nebraska. And so I mean I don't know how much player develop Iowa really gave to Noah Fant. I mean not that they haven't developed their tight ends. I, I hear you there, but I mean. Mac, I mean, don't you think Fant would have been good anywhere he went? I don't know. I would have never predicted Divino Zigbo to have a thousand yards this year based on his other, you know, the whole totality of the rest of his career. I mean, I really feel like the lack of development over this last three years is shockingly bad. I, I really do. And, you know, the more I see some of these guys play, the more it comes to light. I just, I feel like <laughs> betrayed. You know, I really do. <laughs> well, I mean, the results that, results that Harrison Phillips had at, at Stanford, I mean, he made the right decision. Because I don't think that, you know, he wouldn't have probably ended up having that same career here or that same quality of career. Some of it's player accountability. If you're driven, if you're a driven person, you'll push yourself. I mean, you probably would have been fine in this environment. It seems yeah. like where we got hurt is guys that needed to be pushed, you know, to, to max their athleticism 
weren't really doing it on their own and they weren't really getting that that kind of leadership from the staff. So those guys, we ran into problems. I don't know what kind of guy like Noah Fant is or or Harrison Phillips. If they're very driven guys like an Amir Abdullah, he'd probably they'd be fine. Those guys, those guys do well. Yeah, I mean, you flip this a little bit. I mean, Andy Jandovich, guys playing in the NFL, he's probably going to play for five or more years and and uh, all those type of things. He probably wouldn't have done that if he didn't get one year in, in Riley's offense and great actually point. was able to sh- show that. So, I mean, boy, it could go either way. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we answered your question there or not, Jeff, but uh, good question anyways. And uh, that's, the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the mailbag from this week. Sweep left. All right, fellas, let's uh, take this sweep left, our wide-angle view of college football, and and uh, take a look at uh, everything that happened over the weekend. Uh, there are some unusual activities out there, namely uh, Alabama tied with the Citadel at halftime. It only lasted for a half, but it was a good dream while, while it was there, right, Boomer? Oh, yeah, it was, it was fun just watching that tick by in the stadium and you hope it would happen, but there's no way that the powers that be would ever let that occur. If if push came to shove, the entire Citadel roster would have been tossed for targeting or something versus <laughs> Alabama if it came down to that. So, yeah, but it was know, fun I mean, while it lasted. It is a uh, right now a little bit of uh, of a drama free college football landscape, at least at the FBS level. It does feel like we're just kind of waiting for the inevitable of of Alabama and Clemson and whoever to. Uh, sacrificial lambs get into the playoffs with them. It feels like in some some weird way. Uh, Boomer, I think you tweeted out the the FCS playoffs uh, with their twenty four team playoff, which is uh, it's a miracle they can actually actually pull that off with the kids and school and the whole nine yards, right? Yeah, I, I just find that bizarre. With uh, the FBS schools supposed to be all the big, large, smart universities, they can't figure out how to make a playoff or expanded playoff work. Yet these little small FCS schools can manage somehow. I guess it's all about you know avoiding the disruption of studies and things like that while we pack everyone off to the Cheez-Its Bowl out and wherever the heck that is that year and keep that pageantry alive. So, Well, I like the, you know, the orange blazers and the steak dinners and all those type of things, right? I mean, that's Well, of course, yeah, about. and the little cheese dust coating on your fingers after every, after every meeting. So, yeah, absolutely. We've got to have that. We hate to lose that in college football. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I mean, one day maybe we'll get an expanded playoff. Honky, you, you, you like, a, what, a six team? Is that your, your favorite scenario? My favorite's kind of been six, but my, my top thing where I would compromise and go eight is as long as we can get home games played for that first round, you know, uh, for teams one through four, if they had a home game, anything we could possibly do in December to have a, a SEC school, have to travel north to a Lincoln or Columbus, Ohio, or Ann Arbor, or whatever, and play in conditions that we just saw this last weekend. I'd be I'd be fine with any kind of playoff that could get that to happen. Yeah, it sounds like it'd be the NFL, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> happens all the time. Uh, all right, well, uh, you know, talking about uh, SEC and and Big Ten and whatnot, there's definitely a, a coaching carousel starting to. To pick up um, with some Nebraska opponents, uh, CU, Colorado, for example, uh, just fired Mac McIntyre um, after his sixth loss. He goes, beats Nebraska, wins his first five, loses his next six. Um, so that means we're facing at, at least another new head coach next year in 2019, right, Hunk? Yeah, I think uh, 
that's just kind of making the the season start that much rosier for us. I mean, we're going to have you know our staff back and our players back for year two, and and we get to play right away against a, a brand new staff there with Colorado and get some revenge. So, yeah, it's shaping up nice uh, the the schedule and how everything uh, works out for 2019. Hawk, do you have anybody that you'd actually love to have see you actually hire anybody? That I'm not saying that you have any inside information, but you know, I mean, if mm-hmm. you were the AD, who would you be going after? Well, I, I've heard kind of through the grapevine, and I, I'm intrigued by it. But Lane Kiffin, his name has come up a couple of times, and I would just think that he would work well with the Colorado people out there, um, and I think he'd be kind of a, a fun guy to to have up there in Boulder. I, I'd imagine the You'd probably like that up there, Dave. Yeah, I could see that being a fit of, of some sort, you know. I mean, uh, he, he has the dynamic personality to get some attention in a pretty crowded media market here and uh, definitely be a splash hire. And I think that's what uh, Rick George, the AD, is looking for. Uh, maybe not as so much personality-wise, but I think another potential splash hire could be Mark Helfrich, uh, the Oregon Uh, former Oregon head coach who's now the OC in Chicago. He could bring that similar Scott Frost-style offense to Colorado, right? I mean, Mac, what do you think about that? I mean, you know, he'd have Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. We'd be playing him the next, what, three out of the five years, I think. Bring it on. We'll finally see who the mastermind was behind this whole whole Oregon Duck phenomenon. I'm starting to think it was Frost. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking that was the case. That was was the case. He was part of the Well, Go ahead, Honk. Well, uh, you also have uh, Pelini. I guess his uh, what his contract's done with Nebraska. I think officially in the next couple months. Yeah, that's right. So he's paid off. So his incentive to stay at at Youngstown starts to kind of go away a little bit there. And does he start to find his way back into FBS ball either as a coordinator, Boomer? I know you've loved the idea of Les Miles at at Kansas trying to hire. Bo to come in. Oh, surely for humor value alone. I mean, entertainment purposes on on its face would just be outstanding if that would happen. I'm 100 percent on board with you on that one, Boomer. I would love <laughs> to see that. And heck, bring back Carl. Why not? <laughs> yeah. he, he needed to fit in Colorado. So yeah. to see Bo in like Kansas blue with the stupid Jayhawk <laughs> on his hat. I mean, could you imagine that? I tell you, that's, <laughs> rating, that's ratings ludicrous. gold, Dave. Come on, that's why it's got to happen. So. So, yeah, Les Miles is officially going to be the KU coach. Uh, it, it feels like either that's going to work out really well or it's going to be uh, an absolute disaster that's going to go up in flames. But, hey, if Herm Edwards can get Arizona State to a bowl game, why not Les at, at KU, right, guys? Do you think it's built into his, like, contract to, like, tear up the artificial turf? and Do they, do they have to plant grass? And chew it, yeah. For you know, because I mean, oh, gets smart, hungry. they'd have a little wagon of grass sitting next to him, just a nice little thing of turf sitting oh, yeah, next true. to him yeah. in all games if they wanted that's to true. really, really market this. So, college football is better with less miles. It's, oh, it's a, I mean, let, it's, I'm glad he's getting a second chance here. And I think you're right, Dave. It's either going to be like a colossal mistake or mildly entertaining. Probably won't be a huge success because they just don't. Kansas, that's just such a job. But, but if it's mildly entertaining, I'll take it. Although, Beatty. And, Dave, you've talked about this a couple of times. What Beatty has done at Kansas is at least improved the numbers situation compared to what he took over with Weiss, that whoever – well, not whoever the next coach is. Obviously, it's Miles. Miles steps into just a better situation. So, Beatty is going to be a guy that I think 
if Kansas gets back to being even reasonably decent, you know, he he uh, he played a big role in that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Beatty ends up getting another head coaching gig at some time in the future because he's getting a bit of a raw deal here in the sense that Wise completely handicapped that entire program. And they were playing with like 38 scholarship players his first year. And he's been trying to balance out the roster forever. And he still doesn't even have a full 85. Uh, it's getting getting better. So um, it's almost been impossible to actually. It's like self-probation by KU, right? They've mm-hmm. actually put themselves on probation through hiring Charlie Weiss. So Maybe they can um, cheat a while now and it like balances out and it's okay. Yeah, the NCAA maybe, let maybe. it slide. Yeah. All right, guys, good stuff, good stuff. Let's uh, head into some Nebraska ball, hey? Nebraska ball. Well, we are our first test, or at least supposed real first test, was uh, on Wednesday night versus Seton Hall in the Gavit tip-off games, and the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers responded quite well um, in a bit of a dogfight for the first uh, half or a little bit longer, but... After uh, some some testy words with uh, the officials there, and a uh, I think a two point lead, uh, the Huskers responded quite nicely and uh, ran out to an eighty to fifty seven victory. Boomer uh, had me pretty pleased overall with uh, the performance. Yeah, it's, uh, I liked what I saw out of that. It, like I said, it was a scrappy game for a while, and it was the kind of game where you would have expected the Huskers to have a patented seven-minute scoring drought and watch Seton Hall kind of pull away when it got close, and then you let the refs kind of dominate the game and kind of turn everybody off. But that really didn't happen. I mean, they had a couple of, you know, minute or two where they didn't score particularly well, but, you know, they pulled away in that second half. Uh, that's what I really like to see out of this team, and I think it's what we're all hoping to see, quite frankly, out of this bunch. Um, you know, a lot of good uh, play all around, and I'm just excited to see where this is going. So. Yeah, Honky, I mean, you know, Glenn Watson, Copeland, Palmer, everybody, you know, kind of played their roles, and uh, they're going to have to do it again this week. Uh, down in Kansas City, they play Missouri State on uh, Monday, right? Yeah, Monday night they're on uh, ESPNU, and then Tuesday night uh, they'll play well, the winner USC or, or whatever. Tech, uh, somebody right? from uh, USC and Texas Tech. I, I think the three that you mentioned there, Copeland and – Palmer and Watson, that's key because it was the seniors. This was a senior-led victory over Seton Hall, and that's a good sign. Like, I want to see those three guys be the main focal points of this team. Roby, he had the the, the foul trouble right away, and, you know, he's going to have a a fine year. I'm sure he will, and he's a big talent kid and and, and all that. But at the end of the day – I want to see this this team go through those three seniors. I want those guys to be the leaders of this this ball club. It, my perfect day scenario, obviously, you know, we're going out, we're winning NCAA tournament games and everything, but those three are, are, the, are the key guys. Roby has his big games here or there, but Roby comes back as a senior because, you know, we automatically just always assume, hey, he's, you know, every, every guy's always going to leave early, right? It never happens, but every guy's always going to leave early and go pro. I would love to see Roby be a senior on this team a year from now. So if it meant that uh, you know he took a little bit of a back seat at times to those three seniors, I I just personally like that. At the beginning of the game, though, he did get those foul trouble, and we saw a lot of Hyman and Borshart, twelve minutes each from those guys, and really came in. I was impressed right away. I was impressed with Hyman. He got a couple of rebounds. Borshart, a big hustle kid, and he got a tip in. So I mean, we had we had at 
at all points, we always had two bigs on the court. And they found a way to kind of rotate that around. Yeah, just think yeah, if we that, ever get Roby for a full game where he doesn't come out of the locker room with four fouls to start the game. I mean, <laughs> what what this team should be able to do. That's kind of really what I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Honk that it's great that the seniors take the take the leadership. Roby does need to get involved, and he cannot be handicapped with those fouls. And that, that, that was rough. But I thought it was interesting just to see how in the second half it felt like Palmer – in particular, but I suppose, you know, all the seniors, it, it didn't seem like they were just going to let the game slide. I think Palmer just, like, took control, and it was like, this is ridiculous. And he, he was clearly the best player on the on the court there in that second half. Started off really slow, obviously, in the first, but uh, when, when it mattered, he takes control of the game. And he's going to have to do that at, at times this year, no doubt, because the Big Ten looks awfully good, right? I mean, they looked dominant in the Gavin tip-off games. We've won a bunch of uh, non-conference games so this is very different than last year where it appeared that the Big Ten struggled early and we were handicapped from there on in right now we're picking up those quality wins across the conference right Boomer yeah I mean even Iowa's playing starting well I mean gosh who did they beat already this year they've Oregon already yeah I mean they're looking good too this is this is not going to be a year you can take the Big Ten lightly so we've got to get those wins in conference when we can and it's if we if we get the wins, if we beat Michigan somehow this year, that's going to go down as a great win. So this should be an exciting season. So. Yeah, 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 it, absolutely. There were some questionable calls in that that Seton Hall game, and I liked how we didn't let that tank us. I mean, we in fact we played some of our best ball after. Oh, what was that one? The the weird questionable one. I think where they called it on was it Borchardt, and he was diving for a ball, and then we even got like a you know a oh one of the coaches got a flagrant call or you know technical on him so point is the team didn't tank it they came right back uh, palmer came out hit a three and just got it started and we end up you know winning the game comfortably that's a great sign and yeah you know i was saying earlier with roby roby's gonna have his games this year there's gonna be games you know where he's gonna put up a 30 point or something like that and and uh it was nice to see that we can win by 22 points and not have Roby be much of a factor I just think that's that's a good sign too because it's going to be hard to take away everything that this team has yeah I agree Honk I mean I think they look as good as you would expect for for the first three these next three Missouri State and the USC Texas Tech and then I think before long we have Clemson uh, down in Clemson I think we'll know a lot more after these next three or four um, uh, real soon real soon yep all right, guys, good stuff. Redcast predictions. All right, guys, let's head into the weekly pick'em. Uh, we are now into week 13 of this. Um, I think I've got a halfway decent lead, but, you know, it's, it's all for fun anyway. And it is uh, rivalry week out there in college football. And so let's do a double dose here. We're going to go quick here, but instead of 10, we have 20 games out there because, I mean, who doesn't like trophy games, right? We like, you know, bronze pigs and random statues of things that make no sense. It's a real so, present uh, to our listeners, Dave. So, Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? I mean, if anybody uh, appreciates, <laughs> if everybody still listens to the show during the pick if you actually listen to this, you'll appreciate it because we like to randomly digress during the, this segment. And uh, I think uh, trophy games are just ripe for that, right? Yep. 
So I will name uh, the two teams. Whoever gets to name the trophy or name of the game first gets to pick first, all right? Okay. Let's start with uh, Colorado State. And I'll pause here really quick because I, did anybody catch the end of that Colorado State Utah yeah, State game that was last the week? Just worst way to lose a freaking on a bomb that I've ever seen for Colorado State. Sorry, Hockey Mac, skip. did you that see that? Had to hurt. So. I didn't see it. Uh, what happened? So this was essentially a, a replication of the Brandon Riley Michigan State catch three years ago, where last play of the game, the Colorado State guy gets gets uh, contact with the cornerback. It goes and runs along the sideline. He doesn't go nearly as far out of bounds as Brandon Riley. He actually just takes like one step, and then he runs down, catches the ball, touchdown, wins the game. Everybody thinks it's over. Refs confer, and then they decide that, no, he went out on his own accord, waved the playoff, Utah State wins. It was like, wow. Wow. It was rough. Uh, I, I was at uh, producer Skip's birthday party at the time, is why I mentioned this. And uh, Skip is a CSU grad, and there was a bunch of CSU guys there that were terribly disappointed, to say the least. Well, anyway, uh, the Rams are taking on Air Force. Name of the game is? They have a name for this game? All right, I have I no don't idea. have a clue. It's the Ram Falcon Trophy. Well, the marketers course, went all out on that one, didn't That's they? That's crazy. It's like Tower Square in downtown Lincoln. <laughs> since I get, since no one got it right, it's like I'll the take Air Force. And jelly of sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Boomer, what do you got? Air Force. Sorry, CSU. Uh, honky. I'll go with uh, CSU. <laughs> Max. Nice. Air Force. Oh, honky goes with CSU. All right, all right, all right. Uh, okay, a little bit easier ones then. A little easier ones. Uh, Mississippi State, Ole Miss. The Egg Bowl. Oh, that's Boomer. Uh, Mississippi State. Honky. Mississippi State, lock of the week. All right, Mac. Mississippi State. Also taking the Bulldogs. All right, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Commonwealth Trophy. That's like the Commonwealth Trophy or something like that, isn't it? Honky, Honky, close enough, it's Commonwealth Cup. Cup. I'll give it to you. Fire away. Uh, I'll go with uh, Virginia Tech. Mac. Virginia Tech. Boomer. Virginia, let's be different. I'm also going Virginia. Virginia's actually a four-point favorite here. It's in uh, Blacksburg, though. So. Oh, that, that, yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, Oregon, Oregon State. You want the trophy or the name of the, the rivalry? Civil War. That's right. But what's the trophy? It's a, it's a turducken. Um, well, I'm going to give Mike it to Riley. Mac. You're close, actually. Civil War and what, what's the trophy? Yeah, what is the actual trophy they play the for? The Mike Riley Sub 500 trophy? <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of close with the turducken there, McGuire. So. Is it a platypus? Yes, it's a platypus. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's the beavers and ducks. It's got feet like a duck, but it's furry. So, of course, it's a platypus. So. <laughs> That's perfect. Well, you know, I, I wrote down Civil War, so I'm going to give it to Mac. Yes. I shall take Oregon with the lock of the week. Oh, yeah, Ooh. nice one. Yeah, I'm also blocks. taking Oregon. Boomer? Uh, Oregon. Oregon State's terrible. And Honk. Yeah, Oregon State, they are terrible. They're 2-9. and nine. And for some of the, the snotty Beaver fans about a month and a half ago that were saying when we were 0-6, don't you wish that you know you had Riley now, Husker fans? Uh, no. Yeah. The they actually said no. that? 
That's hilarious. I, I, I'm not following the Oregon State boards, I guess. but People were snotty when we were 0-6, but they're not so snotty anymore. <laughs> That's right. from Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, this is not a rivalry game as far as I know as of yet, but it seems like two fan bases that could figure something out between, um, I don't know, the Roughnecks and Burning Couches. We have Oklahoma two and a half point favorites over West Virginia. Big game here in the Big Twelve. Uh, let's go with hockey. Yeah, I'll go with. I'll go Oklahoma on this one. Where's it at? Yeah, we're actually where is it, it is at? West in Virginia? Morgantown. In, Morgantown. Yeah. in yeah. Morgan, with burning couches all around. I mean, the whole pyres of couches going on. Mac. I think I'm gonna go West Virginia. Mountain Mama. There it is. All right. Boomer? Uh, Oklahoma. I think I'm going to go with Oklahoma, too. I I don't know. Boomer, I thought you might go with West Virginia as the bounce it, back. I thought about it, but this, this last loss was Oklahoma State. I think crushed their spirits, so I think they're going to. Yeah. yeah. Is, is this a top 10 matchup? Or no. West Virginia. Well, it would have been. Uh, top something. I don't know where West Virginia ended up after this their loss this week, but it's top 15 matchup. Let's go with that, probably. Well, because, Boomer, yeah. just a quick digression here. Uh, you uh, sent something out. Was it Matt Brown wrote something about Oklahoma and Nebraska played in the still have the most top ten games yes, played yeah, he, since he, he like 1969. Something out about most uh, most uh, AP top ten matchup series since 69 to 2018. Nebraska Oklahoma is still surprisingly number one with uh, 16 meetings where both were in the top ten. I won't give you the actual results of those meetings. They they don't favor us particularly much. But, uh, yeah, we are actually number one still. That's and surprisingly, Nebraska-Colorado is uh, 10th. We we met eight times where they were both in the top ten. That was I was surprised by that amount. I thought it would be a little lower than that. That's just amazing. I mean, we haven't even played Oklahoma in no. darn near a decade, you know. And to have one more, I think, what, we were 16 games that we played. 16. And Michigan, yes. Ohio State, one less. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, it's right. been going on forever. Yeah. yeah. How amazing that rivalry was. Well, I mean, let's hope we can add to that here very soon when we play Oklahoma in a couple of years. But uh let's let's talk Michigan Ohio State, which also does not have a name, but probably might be the biggest rivalry of the week. Um Honky, who do you got? Wolverines, Buckeyes. We're playing in Columbus. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Ohio State. I'm a big believer in and the home team there, and also Ohio State just has their number. So we'll see. We'll find out officially if, if Michigan's for real or not this weekend. Um, the War of Toledo, that's my little history on uh, on this one. Uh, they don't have a name, I guess, for the the trophy, but War of Toledo was like what caused like all the friction. Should between. be like the Toledo Cup or something. Really, yeah, right? just something yeah. like that. Um, yeah, well, Ohio State it, it had to, you know – have everything go their way to beat Maryland last week. So, uh, Mac, uh, are you taking the Buckeyes as well, or no? I think I think I think the Wolverines are going to tear those boys up. To be honest with you, I think they're hungry, and this revenge tour of theirs is real. So, and I'm I for one, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. I'd like to see Urban Foley on pass out this week. If if, if it goes down this week, I, they probably will cart Urban off. It'll be fantastic. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think it. It's, it's, to me, good for the Big Ten if Michigan wins because that evens things out. Just like we were talking about how it's not always good that Alabama is so dominant. It's not not good that Ohio State's the only dominant, especially in the east of, of the Big Ten. Yep. Boomer? I'd, 
Yeah, for starters, don't they typically call this the game, Dave? I mean, if there's a name the for it. The game, yeah. It doesn't really have yeah. anything besides the game. Yeah, that's close enough. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of with Mac on this. I just, yeah, hope Michigan wins this just for the sake of the conference as a whole. Plus, they'd have a better shot in the playoffs than I think Ohio State will based on recent results. So, let's go, yes. Michigan. Yep, I'm also taking Michigan as well. Uh, all right, let's go a little little more on the uh, modern-day rivalries here. How about the... Uh, UCF versus USF. Is there a name, name of the for game? It? Yep. Hey, it's something with a war on I four highway or something like. That. Yeah, that's it. Mac. Yep, Damn, war on I four. Good job. He's wow. done his UCF research. Mac, <laughs> go ahead. That was the game I rewatched a lot when I was trying to learn what our offense was going to look like. <laughs> um, gosh, I. When's the fun going to end for UCF? I don't know. I think they still win. I'll, I'll go with the win this week. Yeah, they are favored by 14. Honky? Uh, I'm in full-blown catch-up mode, so I'm going with South Florida. (laughs) And by the way, I don't pick what I think is actually going to happen. I just pick what I want to have happen, whether whether it's realistic or not. So Thoughts become reality. That's right. If I think it hard enough, maybe I can get, you know, one of these upsets. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Boomer? Uh, UCF looked pretty good this week, actually, against Cincinnati. I think a team a lot of people thought they were going to get upset by. And so we're going to go uh, UCF. Let's go UCF. They'll have to lose at some point, but uh, I'm not going to predict it. So <clears throat> Golden Knights. Okay. Um, all right. Washington, Washington State. Apple Cup. Hockey. Ding, all ding, ding. That. I've been waiting for that one the whole time. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Honk. Uh, where's this one played at? Wazoo, it's I think, this year. The Palouse. Oh, it's in Pullman, huh? We'll go Washington State. Pirate. All right. Mac? I've been riding the Pirate all year, man. He's been great to me, so I'm, I'm sticking with Washington State. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Washington State, too. They're only three-point favorites, but um, I don't. I actually thought that would be a, a bigger spread. Boomer? Well, after watching that curb stomping at the Cougars, just gave Arizona over the weekend. Let's, let's go Washington State, and let's hope they win. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Gardner Minshew and, and the, the seniors there will go out on a high note. All right. Um, this is one of my favorites. The Rambling Wreck of Georgia Tech versus the Bulldogs of Georgia. See, old-fashioned hate or something like that, isn't it? That's right. Clean, old-fashioned no, old hate. hate. All right. yeah. What a great name for a game. All right, Boomer. Uh, Tech is rebounding nicely, but sticking with my Eternal Darkness theme, we're going Georgia. I know what Honky's going to take. Yeah, I'm a big Georgia Tech guy. I like the uh, like the triple option. We're going to go For Georgia no Tech. reason whatsoever. <laughs> they, they, Love it. They've only let me down about four or five times this year. So <laughs> That's right, Mac. I'm taking the opposite of Honky. <laughs> I will echo that and take the Bulldogs. Yeah. Uh, all right. Clean old fashioned dumbness. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. Um, I didn't really know this one myself. Florida, Florida State. Didn't know that had a name either. Got the boringest name possible. Uh, Semigators? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I'll give Honky it just because he tried. The, they call it the Florida Cup. I don't, I don't know. That's that's going sense. out there, marketers. Good job. 
Yeah, uh, we'll Florida's go Florida. four and a half favorites. We'll go. Florida. We'll go Florida, and then uh, Florida State is officially uh, not going to be able to go to a bowl game then because they is they won last weekend, didn't they? Florida they State? Did. Yes, they came back BC and had won. a chance to win that and should have, but yeah, they yes they so, let it let us down. So they're five and six, and if they lose, don't go to a bowl game, then that would end Florida State's bowl streak at like thirty six or seven years. Yeah, correct. Yep, Mac. Florida. I'm also taking the Gators. Boomer? I can see Florida State winning this just to annoy me that they're going to a bowl game, but uh, an SEC team winning annoys me slightly more, so Florida. All right. I think we're unanimous there. Uh, Let's uh, talk about Purdue, Indiana. It's the old oaken bucket. Yes, Boomer. Good job. Who do you got? Uh... I want to say Indiana, but uh, let's go Purdue one last time. Also taking Purdue, they're four-point favorites on the road. Each team needs to win the game to get to a bowl. Honky? I'm going to go with Indiana at home. Of course. Mac? Purdue. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, This is a tough one, guys. Uh, Auburn versus Alabama. The Iron Bowl. All right, honky. Uh, I can't go. Screw it, Auburn. <laughs> I got to catch up. That doesn't make any sense. That's the opposite of catching up. I know. Well, well. I mean, if I just tie you guys, then I'm going to be. Believe See, this me, is this is how it used to always work when we did this email. I would send my picks out first, and I would always be in first place, and Honky would always go against me, and then he'd go like two and eight, and he'd be like, Why am I so bad at this? And I'm like, Oh, I knew why I was so bad. Is it was up. never a That's question. Why. I'm going to go with Alabama. <laughs> Alabama! Alabama! Um, uh, Boomer? Uh, yeah, Alabama. If we're still doing locks, yeah, they're a lock of the week again. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll take Alabama as well. Rest in peace, Tammy, though, from the Feinbaum show. Darn straight. Uh, for it was her. always entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, all right. Illinois Northwestern. Land of Lincoln or Lincoln something? Correct. Another nice. one, Honk. Good job. I don't know who's keeping track of the score, but Honky's doing Land of Lakes. Well for Land himself. Of yeah. I will Land go of Lincoln with uh, Northwestern for that. Northwestern's an 18-point favorite. Wow. wow. Mac. I'll also go with the Wildcats. Honky actually uses logic on this one. Yeah. Good job. Uh, I'm also taking the Wildcats. Boomer? Yep, same. Illinois checked out. Actually, okay. I want to make a switch. I'm going to go with Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think A.J. Bush is going to have a big game. Yeah, breakout game. Is, huh? yeah. Yeah, right, I want that probably is going to happen. I want uh, A.J. Bush to have a big game. How about that? Not I, I mean, I seems yeah you'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) all right let's move on uh arizona state arizona it's like the territory trophy or cup or something Uh, territorial cup remember that too (laughs) territorial cup they actually started playing this before they were a state yeah then tucson sun devils are a two-point favorite uh boomer i think you got that right uh yeah Uh, we made fun of herm edwards earlier this year but by god he's got them ball eligible so let's go uh herm and the sun devils yeah, I, I, after watching Arizona get waxed by Wazoo there, I can't believe they're only a two-point underdog. I'm taking the Sun Devils as well. Mac? Herm. I'm taking Herm. 
You play and to honky. win the game. This is easy for Honk. Yeah, I think Arizona uh, learned a lot last week <laughs> against Wazoo. So we're going to go Wildcats. Good choice. Because I really think that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, all right, well, sure. That was um, not that, I mean, the point spread's not that bad. Yeah, it really isn't. Minnesota, Wisconsin. It's the axe. Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan's axe. Correct. Boomer, fire away. Uh, whiskey wins that one. All right. Honk. Where's this at? It's Madison. in Madtown. Okay, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. You want nice. the altitudes before you make that decision? No, nah, I'm just I think P.J. Fleck time? has him playing reasonably bad, so I'll just go with the uh, Gophers. They are young, Mac? though. So. They are young, yes. Yeah. Very young. Mac, please. I'm going to go with... I go with Wisconsin on this one. Yeah. Also going with whiskey. All right. Uh, South Carolina at Clemson. Palmetto something or? Palmetto Bowl. Correct. Yeah, good. Cool. Good. You should job. get bonus Honk. points for this. No. Oh, yeah. Thanks. He's going to parlay this in some octo pick of the week just getting these <laughs> rights. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go with South 25. Carolina. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like uh, you know SEC and other such things. So yeah, just uh, South Carolina. All right, Mac. Wait, who's the other team? Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> Clemson. <laughs> Don't make me feel like a well, jerk because I'm picking that. What's funny is like we we create the graphic, post it, and then people online on, on Twitter that don't apparently listen to the show they're like what what in the world's wrong with honking like you obviously are not listening to this so <laughs> i mean there's a lot uh, wrong with me but that's all right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking clemson as well boomer i presume you are the same yeah we're sensible yeah we're not drunk enough yet to pick south carolina so excellent uh all right how about uh louisville uh i don't even know who their coach is at this point oh, uh going to kentucky <laughs> With no fans, uh, that's the With Governor's no Cup, I think, isn't it? The, the Governor, yeah, Boomer, you oh. got it right. Governor's Cup, yeah. I think I watched that game last year for some weird reason. Uh, let's go Kentucky, since Louisville might not even show up because they forget they have a game. I don't know. Also taking the Cats, their seventeen-point favorites, Mac. I will go with Kentucky and hockey. We know what's happening here. It's Louisville. Great, great opportunity to pick a game up here. Trying to show well, Honky could win the, win the season with this, actually. Yeah. I can see this. I, I mean, kind of would like to see him do so, actually. This would be mm-hmm. outstanding if he yeah, did. Yeah, this, be, be this could be a killer week for me. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Notre Dame at USC. Do they have a trophy? They just think Irish. Well, like Shamrock. You're Irish. What do you have in Shamrock. your family? Shamrock, a golden leprechaun. What uh, what uh, what do they call the little staves they have? The sticks. Aha. Uh-huh. Shillelagh bowl. There you go. There you go. Shillelagh. Yeah. Mac, you got it. It's the Shillelagh. That's the only thing I think of. The whiskey bowl or the whiskey I will take trophy. Take the domers. Uh, I'm also taking the domers. They're ten point favorites. Uh, Boomer. Uh, Irish. USC's checked out. They still have a coach, or is he still there? He's still there, apparently, but I don't know how much longer. They did lose to UCLA. Um. Um, on Saturday. Uh, and hockey, of course. Uh, go Trojans. <laughs> That's what you got a slight chance with? I don't know. Um, all right. Uh, getting down to the end here. All right. BYU at Utah. 
The Holy War, one of my favorite rivalries. Correct, The Holy War. Good job, Boomer. Who do you got? Yeah, if you ever watch this, just watch the fans. Man, they tear into each other viciously on this game. It's outstanding. They don't like uh, each other. Yeah, we're going with Utah. I'm also taking the Utes. They're 13 and a point, 13 point five point favorites. Did I say that right? Ooh. Yes. yes. Uh, Mac. Utes. Honk. BYU. <laughs> all right, Tanner Magnum's gonna take those guys across the finish line. Big game. Um, all right, and let's there. finish this off. Maybe Honky will actually take this one seriously, guys. Nebraska going to Iowa. The Heroes Cup, which comes with a fifty cents off your uh, your gas if you win it. <laughs> you get a fuel saver card for fifty cents off a gallon. So. There's something to play for here, boys. Uh, at least Mac <laughs> actually remembered the game. He actually answered the question, which was, <laughs> what is the trophy? So yep. we actually forgot what it was, apparently. So, Mac, you got to go first. I am going to pick the Huskers. We are going to uh, win by many touchdowns. About many touchdowns. Love it. Yep. Boomer? Oh, God. Uh, the stats in this point one way head to head versus like Illinois point one way but by God a drunken boast and just where I'm at this week just says we're gonna go Nebraska wins this game nah, 28 to 24 because they forget to let Noah Fant out of the locker room at halftime yeah yep yeah, that could happen actually all right honk fire away well I like what I saw last week with the defense and special teams I think they come up big in this game uh, Nebraska three. Iowa too. <laughs> All right. All right. I like it. Uh, yeah, I think the weather is actually not going to be as big of a factor, and I feel like that should play into our favor. Um, I'll take Nebraska 33, Iowa 21. We'll see where it goes. All right, boys. Uh, let's get out of with some parting shots. Honk, what do you got? I just wanted to say thanks again to the Redcasters out there following us on our social media accounts. We have a new one with Instagram. It's been out there for a couple of weeks, so uh, follow us at GoBigRedcast there. But we are closing in on 4,000 followers, which is between our between our three, Twitter, Facebook, and, and Instagram. So just want to say you know shout-out and thanks to all the people that uh, it's been awesome to be able to have all these conversations online with everyone It's uh, it's really kept us a lot of fun, so thank you guys. All right, Mac. Um, just want to give a shout out to uh, our buddy Jack Hingy. I didn't tell you this, but on the way back from your house, I stopped at a gas station. Um, just bumped into him, just very randomly. It's pretty cool to see. I love being back in Nebraska and running into fans, and and to all the brave souls who had to go down I eighty after the game. It was slick there, man. So good job getting home safe, everyone. Safe driving, absolutely. Boomer? Well, I just want to uh, remind all of our listeners that uh, outside of college football this weekend, uh, one of my uh, favorite uh, football sporting events will be happening. The uh, Grey Cup will be uh, televised this weekend, uh, featuring a game between the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Calgary Stampeders. So if you ever want to wonder, uh, see a game and you wonder where all those uh, college players you thought of went, uh, get a, give a chance to watch that. and It's usually entertaining. So, What is Ottawa? What are they? They're the Red Blacks. The Red Blacks? Yeah, I think it deals with, like, the red and black plaid flannel shirts 
lumberjacks used to wear. I don't know. That's the best I could come up with for what the heck a red black is. So, well, they were an yeah. expansion franchise, and you can realize there was already like seven other teams in the CFL, and two of them already were the Rough Riders. Yeah, you so couldn't have a really... third Rough Riders, which would just be a little awkward. <laughs> so just running out of names, else. really. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, I think they were the Renegades way back when, and then they just came back, and they were the Red Blacks, and yeah. So why not? Okay. It's the Grey Cup. Red, blacks, gray. Sure. Yeah, a lot, lot of colors there. And, and the Blue Bombers, which uh, the Calgary just defeated today to, to advance to the Grey Cup. So, sorry, Riley. <laughs> That's right. Mike Riley did win the Grey Cup. He did. I always yeah. remember that. couple of them. All right, guys. Great stuff. I don't know why we're ending on that, but it was an entertaining show. And look forward to some chatting after we uh, take out the hot guys. Let's call that a Go Big Redcast. Yeah, Iowa. Eat Iowa. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone.